Wonderful. Well, I realised today, actually, um, as I was going through my notes again yesterday, that um, today was my birthday. Um, no, no, it's not actually my... Uh, let me quite... Before I don't forget when my birthday is. My actual birthday is in November, but I was just going back through my journey in terms of the journey that I'd been on uh, with the Lord, and it was actually May the 20th, 1993, was the day that I, I knelt the, the knee before Jesus and gave my life to him. So um, I, I, I was just... I was encouraged just I was kind of going back through that journey that I'd been on um, and look at it. I thought, oh, well, it's, it's quite interesting. And today is May the 20th, so there we go, but not a, not a Thursday. Um, well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just take this next kind of half an hour, 40 minutes and take you on a journey. Um, I'd like to take you on a journey, the journey that I've been on and just some of the lessons that I've learned in terms of sharing, uh, sharing my faith, sharing our faith uh, and how we can do that. And this whole thing of everyone a witness. Can I say as a backdrop to that, and, and it's really important, this will come through. So you think, you know, it is a tremendous privilege to see people saved. I acknowledge that you know, it's only by God's grace that I, I, I see anyone saved because it's God that saves. You know, it is not me um, who saves. There's nothing that I do. All I can do is be obedient. I'm so glad that Mike said what he said when it's in partnership with the Holy Spirit because it very much is. And, and I thank God that he has taken me into situations that he's taken me into. And I've had the privilege of seeing what I've seen. But that's all glory to him. If people are healed, it's God. If people are saved, it's God. All I can do is go on that journey with it. And actually, it's exciting because it takes the pressure off. One of the best things someone ever said to me when I came on staff as an evangelist, because I, I think for most of, my, uh, most of my kind of Christian life, I had it prophesied over me uh, or, or two days after I got saved, actually, um, that they said, you're going to be an evangelist. I don't even know what an evangelist is. Um, you know, that's, that sounds great. And you're going to plant churches. And I'm go- I thought, well, that sounds quite weird with little pots and things. But anyway, um, there we go. Um, I had not a clue what this was. And then gradually as God was doing things uh, throughout my life, what, what, what I found was it, it, it's actually, things were happening and, and God was doing some great things. But I ran away because I didn't want that label of an evangelist. I, I, I didn't want that. And it was only about four years ago, um, well, uh, five years ago, when I came on staff as an evangelist. I said, okay, maybe this is what God has made me to be um, or, or, or part of what God's calling me to do. Um, and, and, and the team there said that they said, but... We do not expect you to save anyone. And I thought that's just, it was just so releasing because it's God that saves. And, and, and you know, if all you can do is stir us and encourage us to be more effective in our witness, that, that's your job. And I look in Ephesians chapter 4, and actually that is the job description of an evangelist, isn't it? You know, there is fruit uh, in salvation, but actually it's about equipping the saints. And I've got to say that is my overriding passion, is to see the saints equipped for the works of service. That's what I said. Well, nothing gives me greater delight than someone comes back and says, do you know what? I shared my faith today with so-and-so. And that's what I want to do. I just want to share some stories today. Is that okay? Good, because we're going to do it anyway. So there we go. I was picked up on that the other day, actually, a little while ago. Someone said, you're always saying, is that okay? It's almost as if you're asking for permission. I said, no, it's just a habit um, that, that I have. But we're going to do it anyway, so that's fine. Um, John Piper said this. He said, mission exists because worship doesn't. And, and that's actually, you know, actually, what is the goal of the church? You know, the, the ultimate goal of the church is, is actually you know, we're called to worship, worshippers of Jesus. And we, and we want to see as many people becoming followers and worshippers of Jesus. And the reason why mission exists is because there's a lot of people out there who don't worship Jesus. Is that not right? You know, I, I look at the world around me. I look at my neighbours. I look at you know, every situation that I've been in. And I think actually most of this is not God glorifying. But it can be. Because God's heart breaks more than my heart breaks for every person that I come in contact with. 
let me just share a little bit of my journey. So as I said, I was saved Thursday, 20th of May, 1993. Uh, my wife had a significant um, part in that. Um, she uh, herself, uh, she'd been, she was saved at the age of 14, um, but uh, she'd backslidden. Uh, she met me. I was the guy that went to church just to get the girl. I got her out of church as quickly as I could. And uh, we went off to university and we moved in together. And I was not a fan with her parents and everything else. Um, um, but, uh, but she started just to share her faith with me. And, and, and at times, it, it kind of it began to just tug on my heart. Uh, long story short, um, I, 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 over a, a number of weeks, um, and just getting, exploring this with the church, uh, kind of just looking course that we went on, um, I burst through the door um, and just said, hi, my name's Carl. I want to know more about God. I was that guy that walked in off the street um, and just into a church office. So they put me on a just looking with an evangelist, um, and he just, he just helped me, and he guided me through. And I wanted to give my life to Jesus the week before. I kind of thought I, I was kind of ready. And, and I learned the first lesson in terms of birthing people properly. Because they said to me, they said, this is a serious decision that you're about to make. You're about to commit your life to following Jesus. And, and, and I, I went away. And my, my, my wife, she wasn't my wife then, um, you know, but she is now. My wife and I, we went away and we talked about it. We were having conversations at home about whether we were going to commit our lives to following Jesus. We were saying, actually, are we going to do this? Are we going to say, this is it? This is for us? And uh, what was interesting is actually the night before, it was my wife who wobbled. I was ready to go. And my wife was going, actually, I don't know if I want to come back to God. I didn't feel anything the first time. And, it, and I was like, well, it's not about feelings, it's about faith. It's about, you know, and this was me. You know, I wasn't even saved yet. And so, so that night we got down and we prayed and we, we, we came to Jesus. Two days later, I got baptized. Repent and be baptized. So, you know, they had baptisms. That's what it is. So I got baptized. No course, no waiting to see. It was just, no, I've made this commitment. I want to get baptized. So I got baptized. And I learned lesson number two at that baptism. One of the most important lessons that I learned. The power of prayer. Two years before I gave my life to Jesus, when we moved away, Pam's mum was worried that this man had stolen her out of church. And, uh, and, and that she was being led astray. And when we got to Canterbury, a guy from the church who was a friend of a friend came round to visit us and asked us if we'd like to go along to church, and we said no. This man was called Terry, and he was a prayer. He was at my baptism. When I came up out of the water, and people had finished praying, he came over to me, and he unfolded a piece of paper. And on it was a list of names. Mine and Pam's names were on it. And they'd been crossed out. He said, on Thursday morning, as I prayed for you, God said, you don't need to pray for them anymore. He said, I didn't know what had happened, but that was the day he stopped praying. Two years that man had faithfully prayed for me. So when we talk about prayer and evangelism, I learned that lesson right from the outset. God loves me, God cares for me enough that he causes the saints to pray for those who are unsaved. So I learned a lesson there. Do not neglect prayer in when it comes to evangelism and mission. We ought to be praying for those who are lost. Pray for your neighbours. Pray for your friends. I can show you. I've got a list on here. I'm about every day of those that I pray for. It's got my family. It's got those in my church. It's got those who are my neighbours, my friends, people I'm in contact with, family members. And I pray for them daily that God would save them. So I learned the value of birthing correctly. I learned the power of prayer. 
it wasn't long after that we used to, I got involved in doing open airs and just helping out and, and doing things. And one guy, uh, one day, the guy who was the evangelist in the church, he, he said, right, he said, once this drama's done, he said, I'd like you to preach. I was just like, beg your pardon? I was just like, we're in the high street in Canterbury. He said, he said I'd just like you to preach, just go for it. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. He said, we haven't got time to argue. You're up. The drama's on. So that was it. So, so that was it. So on the high street, we're doing this drama. If you know Canterbury, it's quite arty. Lots of people stopped, uh, about 120 people. And I was just like, ah, oh, well, hi, um, my name's Carl. And you're probably wondering what's going on. I'm wondering what's going on. Um, but there we go. We're a church, you know. And it's, it's all just, it's all waffle. It was rubbish. And then I was just like, I said, God, you need to help me. And, 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 and Pam said, it was almost as if your whole body changed. I just felt anointing from heaven. And I preached my heart out for five minutes. I'd love to say to you, 20 people gave their lives, that no one gave their life to the Lord that day. But it did something in me. It did something in me. It whetted my appetite. I said, God, maybe there is more to this. We then moved down to Dover. We were in Dover um, for, for, for a year. I loved fishing. I'm a keen sea fisherman. Um, so a lot of my illustrations will come from sea fishing. And, and, and I, I'm a keen sea fisherman. And uh, I, I was just going, walking down to go fishing one evening. And on the way, I bought myself a bag of chips. And God said to me, buy a second bag of chips. And I said, look, I'm not hungry. And, and I said, uh, that hungry. He said, get a second bag of chips. So I bought a second bag of chips. He said, right now, go back, get, keep going down to the pier. Keep that second bag of chips. So I took the second bag of chips down there. And I stood on the pier, and there was this guy next to me. And I said to him, I said, don't want a bag of chips, do you? I said, because I've got this second bag of chips. He said, man, I'm starving. And I gave him this bag of chips. The guy's name was Rab, Scottish guy. he just moved down from Scotland. Didn't have a fishing partner. I used to go once every couple of weeks. I didn't have a fishing partner. So over a number of weeks, we started to meet up. We fished together. I had the privilege of him being the first person I led to Jesus. And I was beginning to learn to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit over a bag of chips. <laughs> it's not difficult. It's not difficult. Not only do we have the privilege of leading him to the Lord, but then uh, I did say he, he was in a relationship um, with, uh, with a lady. They had two children. They weren't married, but uh, uh, you know, they've been together for a number of years, living together as husband and wife, and we had the privilege of leading his partner to the Lord as well. And you know, all the challenges that come with that, well, are they living together? Are they married? Are they not married? You know, and all, all of that. But actually, in the midst of all of that, they got saved. Um, you know, we just saw some wonderful things going on in their life. And then we took them to church. And it was during the time of the Toronto Blessing. And uh, we got there, and he had a friend down from Scotland, great big Scottish guy, sort of guy you wouldn't want to meet on a clear day, let alone a dark night. Um, anyway. And he was there, and he, he's not saying he's there, and he's, like, he's there with his mate, and, 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 and all of a sudden someone starts wobbling and falling over, and someone else starts doing the chicken, as we like to call it, and someone else is doing so. And, I think, and they start to talk to one another, and I'm thinking, oh my word, I'm going to have to give an explanation. How do you explain all this away? I've just told you about the wonders of God, and how it is, and actually Christians are normal people, and now we're exposing them to this, and what's going to happen? So, and I but they're talking away, and I said to Pat, I said, I'm going to have to explain, give an explanation. So I leant forwards, and I said, I said, are you right? And Rab said, you know, the guy just got saved. He said, yeah, he said, I'm just telling my mate here. He said, he said that that must be the Holy Spirit at work and God just must be doing something. I said, what a great explanation. You carry on. Thank you very much. And that was really good. Lesson number three, God can defend himself. And God can speak for himself. And sometimes what we think is weird and, and, and wacky, actually, we, we've just got to let God be God. 
and not try to apologize it away or, or, or kind of excuse it away. Just let God be God. He's wonderful, and he does some wonderful things. And they were just overwhelmed by what God was doing in people's lives, which is just fantastic, isn't it? Kind of condensing the story a bit, then a few years later we found ourselves in the Midlands and we went through quite a challenging time. Uh, personally, uh, there were all sorts of things going on. And uh, I remember being invited to, to go and speak at a Methodist um, uh, hall. Uh, this lady had heard me preach on, on hell of all things. And she said, actually, you, you, you do the Methodist circuit good, so would you come and speak here? So... so uh, uh, I went to this, this hall, and uh, I mean, she was good. True to it, she, she was desperate to see these people just kind of set free. And, and uh, we went to this hall, and there were a couple of hundred people there, loads of teenagers. I thought, oh, my word, what she got me for? She'd just, just preach on hell, preach the gospel, go for it. And, uh, and uh, seriously, they locked the doors. when Because my wife went out, because she was breastfeeding at the time, and she, she took uh, uh, my, my daughter out to go and feed, couldn't get back in. So she didn't actually get to hear the preacher. She said they actually locked people in. She said, it was quite, so, so we're there. There was a whole team there. They were sat there, quite stony-faced, kind of looking. And I thought, do you know what? I'm only going to be invited here once anyway, whatever I say. So I might as well just go for it. So I preached my heart out. I, I just preached my heart out. And by the grace of God, 25 people responded to the gospel. And, and, and I thought, this is absolutely true. You know, all that we're going through and, and everything, God, you are just so gracious to save. You know, it's not me. It's you. You're doing this. This is great. So I got, I'm running down. I got, I'm beginning to meet people. And do you know what? The first person I met, actually, response to the gospel, yes, but not first-time commitment. They were coming back to God. And, and I thought, okay, what am I doing with that? You know, do, you do, what do I do that? The next person I spoke to, first-time commitment. It was great. I worked it. It was 13 to 12. 13 first-time commitments, 12 kind of responses to just whatever I'd said and whatever. So I thought, well, 13, that is fantastic as well. That's really good. But I learned something there as well in terms of actually, again, birthing people correctly. You know, people are at different stages of their journey, and it's about their relationship with Jesus, isn't it? It's about that relationship with Jesus. And actually, I've got to the stage now, I, I don't preach and give an appeal from the front in terms of a response to the gospel. Please pray prayer after me. Ask people to pray their own prayers. Because it's about them coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah? I don't know about you, but lots of people um, that, that, that I meet, they get very hung up over inviting people to church. And, and I say, it's not about that. It's about inviting people into relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, we've got to change our thinking. We have got to change our thinking. So much of what we do as leaders, so much of what we do is built around the Sunday meeting, isn't it? You know, uh, we used to have it, you know, Tuesday mornings, we would review how Sunday went. Fridays, we'd plan how Sunday's going to go. You know, and that's what we do. And actually, we put a lot of energy and a lot of effort into Sundays. But there is a world out there that doesn't find Sunday very interesting. And the concept, the idea of going to church actually is so alien to them. But do you know what? That's okay, because I don't want them to, get to go to church. I want them to meet Jesus. And so isn't it better if in churches we're equipping the saints to be effective in the world that they are in when they're in the workplace, witnessing to those around them and bringing them into relationship with Jesus Christ? That's what's most important. So I had the privilege of seeing a number of people coming to know Jesus 
which is great. And at the same time, we started to see things happening with healing. And similar to what Mike was saying, I, I remember being up in Buxton one time, and you know, you get Buxton mineral water, it's, it's on tap there, it's great. People would drive for miles around just to kind of, you know, just pause. you could fill up these, these cartons. And I remember speaking, I used to hang out there, it was a great place. You meet people from all around the country. Someone had come down from Manchester just to fill up all these empty bottles in the boots, um, you know, because it's Buxton mineral water and it was free if you lived in Buxton. Great stuff, it was really good. And God said to me one day, go to the fountain. Well, I knew where it was. I grew up down the fountain. I'm stood there. And, and I said, well, what now, Lord? And he just said, well, just, just wait. And I'm waiting. And then I saw this guy coming towards me with a white cane. And he couldn't see. And everything in me, I knew what God wanted me to do was go and pray for him. And I bottled it. Sorry for the pun. I just realised now as I said it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was not intentional. I backed down. And I'll be honest with you, that messed me up for years. I really wrestled with that. God, you, you said, what would have happened if that, you know, and, and that's... But I'm human. And you're human. And when I go through my Bible, I see in the book of Acts that they prayed for, the bold, for boldness and for the words to say. And I said, God, I need more and more and more of your boldness. Where I might go, I need more of your... So God, please, rather than that, I'm going to say next time I'm going to position myself and I'll try and be obedient. And since then, I have prayed for those who cannot see. And I'd love to tell you that they see, but I don't know. God recently spoke to me about praying for those with cancer. And stepping out in that. And I've started praying. And I get nervous every time. And I think, God, what do you do? So I say, what do you do? Is? And, 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 and I've seen more people pass away from cancer than I've seen healed from cancer. But I want to be obedient to him. And I just want to follow him. And it's an adventure. And it's a journey. And it is scary. And it's a roller coaster. It is. Going on a journey with Jesus, it's, it's, it's wonderful, but it's scary at the same time, isn't it? Is it where's, where's Simon? Is Simon? Simon, do you want to just quickly share? Is, it, is this? Or is that handheld? Oh, sorry, there you go. Cool. Go for it. Go on, just share, share the story. Uh, yeah, we've, uh, uh, Aylsham, North Norfolk, uh, God's been taking us on a, a journey and stirring us to have faith to, to pray for healing, uh, both in the church as part of our, our kind of glorious inheritance, but also taking that out and um, praying for others as a, a means of advancing God's kingdom. And uh, we've had a, a lot of people in the church with significant illness, and we've been praying, we've seen uh, God do some wonderful things, some breakthrough um, but uh, the back end of last year, young family, uh, the, uh, the mum, a couple of young kids, uh, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, when they ran more tests, they'd found it had spread to three areas of her body and recommended six months' worth of chemotherapy in sort of two-month blocks. Uh, so obviously we began praying for them. She was full of faith uh, mm. for God to, to do something. But, you know, for us, we'd seen God answer some prayers, but it... 
it tended to be kind of some of the smaller things and our, our heart was for mm. kind of, yeah, big breakthrough in healing. Anyway, so we began to pray. Carl came up and, uh, and visited the church in February and, uh, and prayed with her also, had, had a word for her. And then a couple of weeks later, as we were again praying with her, she, uh, she said she, she felt a burning sensation in the three particular areas of her body mm. where uh, the cancer had been diagnosed. Uh, and so she was very excited about that, again, full of faith for what God was doing in her. Later that week, she was in her, her small group. She'd had a lot of pain in her, her hand where they'd had trouble putting in the, the cannula for her treatment. Uh, her group prayed for her. She was instantly healed from any pain. Excellent. And, uh, and then sort of a week or so later, it came to the end of her first two-month cycle of mm. treatment. And uh, she, uh, she went for a scan after that and was waiting to hear from uh, her consultant. And her consultant then rang her and uh, said, look, we've got some really good news. Uh, we've done the scan. There is no sign of any cancer in your body. Yeah. So good. Her consultant used the, the word, she said, it's as if it had never been there. Yeah, amazing. And we can't believe yeah. that the, the treatment would be so successful yeah. after Fantastic. two months. Brilliant. So, good. yeah, just wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Simon. So good. The, one of the encouraging things that I'd, I'd only heard that this morning, actually. Um, one of the, we were just saying, catching up and saying, how is it going? Because the word that we had for the lady was that, that it wouldn't be healed straight away, but actually there would be, in the process, healing would come. And, 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 and I mean, when I'm saying words like that sometimes, I'm thinking, okay, well, well am I just playing it safe? Because <laughs> sometimes we can, we can go, well, it's, it's now or never or whatever. But it's in the process, it's about being sensitive to what he is saying, listening, to, and then just listening and speaking, listening and speaking. And, and, and that is just so encouraging to, for her, for her family, for the church. It's good. One of the things we need to do is to keep celebrating in what God is doing. Do you know, it is okay to, 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 to share testimony. It is okay to celebrate. It is okay to say, do you know what, God has done this through me, or today God me, used me in this way. Because all glory goes to him anyway. It's, it, it's okay to do But we need to get better at that as churches. I love stories. I love telling stories. I keep telling stories. And I'm praying day after day, God, give me stories. And I want to challenge you. I want to ask you, are you asking God for stories? Are you asking God for stories in your life? Not just in the life of your churches, but are you asking God for your own personal stories? I'm saying, God, please give me stories. Give me stories this week. Give me stories this day because they glorify you. I don't want stories just so I can tell stories. I want stories because well, when I've got these stories to tell, it means that you're impacting lives. It means that lives are being transformed. And it means actually you are being glorified more and more in the lives of those around me. So over these next couple of days, we need to have a couple of questions kind of kicking around. And there's a few other things I, 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 I just want to draw out, and then it would be good to pray. I want to ask you this overriding question. What would your church look like if everyone in it were a witness? What would it look like? I don't mean if everyone in your church were an evangelist. Because we're not all called to be evangelists. 
And I think that's some of the danger, is that we've wheeled out evangelists sometimes, and we've looked at them, and we've gone, well, I can't be like that. And then we've gone, oh, no. But we can all be witnesses. We can all be witnesses. What would your church like, look like, if it were filled with witnesses? Have we got that video? Is it possible to show the video? I'm going to show this just before we play this video. This is the lady I think I shared last time here about the. Do you remember I shared the story of the lady who was in the wheelchair? She had MS. She got saved um, shortly after we planted the church on the road. She got saved, um, and then she and then her MS um, just became quite quite aggressive, and she found herself very quickly in a wheelchair. I was talking to her again on Sunday. We're just going through a testimony again. And she's saying, actually, it, it becomes, the reason why she was so upset more than anything else was because she was crawling around her house to be able to go from room to room. She had to plan her journeys in her home. Think about that. She said, I used to think, what can I take with me before I leave this room? Because I might not get back for another half an hour to an hour. So I'll need everything to go with me. And she'd had the worst week ever. But Tessa, we've got time to show it all now, but she had the worst week ever running up to that moment she turned up on Sunday. She said she'd made some silly decisions, silly choices, and she said, I don't deserve anything. Actually, I don't, don't deserve anything. And she turned up to church, and she's just sat there, and she just felt God say to her, stand up. In worship. No one was praying because it's him. It's not us, it's him. Just stand up. And she fetched someone. Now, I, I thought she'd fetch someone to pray with her, but she said, no, no, no. She got someone to help her in case she fell over because she was, she was worried. She thought maybe she was making this up. So she said, if I stand up and I fall over, that wouldn't look good. So that's why she got someone there to catch her. And she stood up. And, and as I said, she walked. Now, she is partially healed. She is still in a wheelchair. She can now move around her house. And, and her testimony, she said, I thank God because now I don't have to plan to go from room to room. And I said, okay, so what, what, what are you rejoicing in? She said, I'm just rejoicing in him and the situation he's now put me on. Can we just play this little, little bit of video? Forgive the birds in the background. Just say that bit, come on. I'll just come here. Uh, the best bit about the whole healing deal was sitting at the back of the church and it wasn't people gathered around me. It wasn't all praying in tongues. It wasn't some massive, great big deal. It was just personal, it was just quiet, it was just me and him, just at the back of the church. There you go, you're healed. No big deal, do you know what I mean? No big drama. Just the most personal thing that could have happened. Just, yeah, he done it for me. And, and I really didn't deserve it at all, especially not what I got up to. But yeah, it's just me and him. That is fantastic. It's beautiful, isn't it? She is now training for Rio Paralympics. She said she would not be able to do that if she had been fully healed. 
they struggled to classify her because she shouldn't be able to walk with the condition that she has. And the doctor for the Olympics committee said, We've ne in all my years, I've not seen a case like this. So they found a classification for her, which she is leading. Um, so she is doing very well. She's going to do shot put, and she's going to do javelin. And she's going to see the IPC to see if she can be classified to get to Rio. This is what she is doing now. And she says, do you know what? There is a whole group of people. Not one of them is a Christian. She said, I can now witness to them. She said, no one else can witness to those people, but I can. So I thank God for what he has done for me because he has helped me personally getting around my home. He said, but also he has positioned me to be an effective witness in a community that other people cannot reach. Isn't that wonderful? What it's just, now, now that, it's just, just one person. Imagine a church filled with people like that. We've got them. Isn't it wonderful? So the goal of these two days, the goal of this next season is, is my heart, our heart is to see an equipping of the saints. It's to see the raising up of evangelists, those who will equip the saints, who will get amongst us, who will stir us, who will challenge us, who will equip us. It's equipping of, of, of the elders, of the leaders, that we might be equipped, that we might be equipped to be able to help. And it's seeing everyone equipped as well. Through words, works and wonders. So can I just, I'm all right for a bit of time if I just, I want to share a few lessons quickly, um, a few encouragements to you as leaders. And, and, and Mike, uh, Mike picked up on this in Matthew 28, uh, where he's saying about, about discipleship and modeling this. Guys, this is not, there, there's no magic wand that's going to be waved over these two days that all of a sudden your church is going to become more, more fruitful and more effective just because all of a sudden we've prayed it, we have to do it. We have to model it. It's discipleship. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples. The best picture of that I had was last week. I took my son, told you fishing illustrations, I'm afraid. I took my son fishing. And we stood on the beach, sea fishing. 15 years old. He's not sea fished properly with me. And we're there on the beach. And, and he's getting excited about the day. We're going to go and spend three hours. We've got our worms. We've got all that we want to do. And, and I show him how to bait up. And I cast him out for the first time. And then I cast out. And I catch a fish. So he didn't catch. I caught. And the look on his face, he was so excited because together we had caught a fish. We'd gone on a journey together and we'd caught one. It was a tiddler, but it was a fish. And he was so excited. And he's going, Dad, do you think I'll catch one? And I said, I I'm sure you are. Prime, no, please. <laughs> and he cast out again. And then he caught one. He started catching at the rate of two to one. So he outfished me two to one. We pulled home 18 fish, 12 were his. Do you know what? I rejoiced. I thank God. But it was so good. By the end of the day, he was almost like an accomplished fisherman. He was, he was having a go at casting. He reeled in the last fish. He reeled in the biggest fish. He reeled in the most number of species. He did it all. It was fantastic. And I took great delight because, do you know what? My son had surpassed me already. I'd modeled something to him, and he had flown. And I thought, is that not what we want for our churches? We want to be modeling something in this whole area of being fishers of men, we want to be modeling this. And then we want to see those in our congregations, in our church. We want to see them fly, don't we? That they are coming back and they're talking about the happy results and the wonderful things. Please, I'm not saying that, therefore, all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it's measured by salvation. It's stories. It is stories. People come back and say, do you know what? I just had this opportunity to share with someone. I had this opportunity to pray with someone. 
God taught me that early on. When I used to go into work, um, I'd I, I go into work, and, and I remember every, every Monday, I had that pressure, I've got to tell someone about Jesus. You ever been like that? I've got to tell someone about Jesus. I've got to, I'd be around the water cooler, and we'd be talking about football, and I'm thinking, how can I get Jesus into this? Well, Jesus saves. Oh, there we go. You know, so, you know, and it's, you know, how am I going to squeeze? And it, because then you get the sweaty palms, and you, start, and you think, how am I going to do this? And then I, and I felt almost God pulled me to one side. And he said, do you... Are you nervous about sharing about your wife? I said, no. He said, are you still at the water cooler going, I've got to get Pam into this conversation. I've got to get Pam into this conversation. I'm going, no. He said, but do you talk about Pam? I said, yeah. When do you do it? Well, when it's natural. Because she's my wife. It's a relationship. Oh. Oh, yes. I got it. It just became easy. It's, he's, he's my Lord, my saviour. I'm in a relationship with him. <laughs> and, and I talk about him because I can't help myself. But I'm not trying to force it in. And, and that really was releasing for me. And, and that should be releasing for all of us. Lift the pressure. He's the one who saves. We want people to be introduced to Jesus because he's the one that will set them free. Is he not? So very quickly... I think if we want to lead people in this, we want to encourage in this, it's got to be modelled on our own walk. Are you as leaders praying for the lost to be saved? Are you praying for signs and wonders? Are you doing that? I want to encourage you to do that. Pray for it daily. My prayer, above all other prayers, every single day, is, is Holy Spirit, will you lead everything that I say and everything that I do to you, uh, do to, uh, everything I say and everything I do for you today, for your glory? that I might be a blessing in something that I say or something that I do to the world around me. And I pray that every single day. It doesn't get answered every single day, but I am praying it every day. And I'm looking for opportunities, and I will encourage you to do the same. Start modelling it to those around you. Are you still in love with Jesus? Mike said about sometimes we can get very caught up in the busyness of church life or the busyness of life. And even evangelism and sharing our faith just becomes one of those things we have to do rather than something we want to do. Do you remember the day you first came to Jesus? Do you remember the impact that had on your life? Or those that may be around you for the first time they found faith in Jesus Christ? That first love. Do you still have that? And if not, ask God even today to just to rekindle that. To start to let it burn brightly once again within you. Because it's about him. And actually if you're on fire and you're excited about Jesus and all that he's doing in your life, I'm finding it can't help but rub off. There's another guy in our church, he's going through some horrendous things at the moment. And he's saying, what do I do? I said, you just got to keep close to Jesus. And he's keeping close to Jesus. And you know, as he's keeping close to Jesus, Jesus is helping him through. So much so that on Sunday, he said, can you come and meet a builder friend of mine? Great big guy gets out of this car and whatever. He says, I, I want to know what that guy's got. Because I know what he's going through, he said, but he seems kind of okay with it. And this is what I'm going through. And I was just able to talk to him about Jesus. Are you still in love with Jesus? Are you praying for your church in this? Not just for yourself. Are you praying for your church? Lord, help them. 
Let them be effective in their witness. Lord, give them stories to tell. Sunday, uh, Martin was with us. On Sunday. I mean, how many, how many testimonies did we have on Sunday? Five, was it? Five, five testimonies of people just saying, God, help me through this, or God, help me through that. We're trying to create a culture, just saying, let's rejoice and celebrate in all that God is doing. Did he help you with an exam? Did he bring you peace when you were in that situation? Did he help you through that? Because Jesus helps us in every aspect of life, does he not? Let's rejoice in what God is doing, and let's let people hear that. Another thing is good to do, feed your soul with stories of healing and salvation. What are you reading at the moment? Look at the works of Whitfield and Wesley. Look at the works of... I, I read those works and then I say, God, it was okay for then. Why not now? Why not now? So surely this is my inheritance as much as it was theirs. And I'll tell you what, as I started praying that prayer, I have been in rooms where guys have fallen on their knees and they are crying and they are sobbing as they are coming to Jesus. And, they and then a lady at the back of the room just goes, ooh, and I said, are you okay? And she said, just leave me, leave me. And five minutes later, she describes an experience, an encounter that she has, where she said, I was just there. She said, and God said, why are you resisting? And she said, because I'm afraid to fall. I'm afraid to let go. He said, let go, I will catch you. This was just her describing, sat at the back of the room as we were talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and she said, I let go, and he caught me. They text me a couple of days ago to say, one year, one year we've been saved. One year. It's great. I love stories like this. This is now. This is not just 100 years ago or 200 years ago. Guys, let these stories fuel us. Not discourage us, but say, God, do it now. And if you need current stories, look for current stories. But let it fuel you. Let it stir faith within you to say, God, you can do it now. Because he's the same God. He is the same God who caused Christ to rise from the dead. It's the same Holy Spirit, isn't it? Same power caused Christ to rise from the dead that now lives in you and I. Amen. What is your walk with the Holy Spirit like? What is it like? Build in, put regular times of prayer and worship. Build it in. I find I become less and less effective in my witness as I'm spending less and less time with him. It's funny that, isn't it? <laughs> but I find the more time I'm spending with him, actually the more sensitive I am to his voice, the more sensitive I am to his leading, and the more open I am to that little gentle prod. Do that, buy that person a cup of coffee. I remember we did it in Norwich once. We were given £10. Go bless someone in the streets of Norwich. When we were up uh, doing a mission, we were just walking around the streets, and me and this lady in Italian, we saw this lady sat, sat, sat in a shop kind of entrance. It was two degrees outside, and we took her from McDonald's. Long story short, a year and a half later, I watched her and her friend walking across the front at Stonely Bible Week. And I remember asking Graham, and he said, yep, yeah, nope, they got saved. They got saved. All we did was give us a McDonald's and tell her where we come from. <laughs> what is your walk with the Holy Spirit like? Go on an adventure with him. He wants you to go on an adventure with him. Building regular times of prayer and worship. Train yourself to recognize his voice. I, st I, I would ask, I said, God, well, what are you, in, in the Sunday meetings, I would say, God, what are you saying today? What are you saying to us? And I just hear it, not to get up to share a word, but just to see whether I am actually hearing what God is saying. And I just, just find ways of just, just hearing his voice, trying to, Filter out all the other voices and hear his voice. Leaders, go through the gospel regularly. What it is and its power to save. It will fuel your preaching. It will fuel your witness. Every year, every November, I religiously do a study on the gospel. Just what is the gospel? The power of sin. 
You know, the good news is only truly good news if you understand how bad the bad news was. People don't really get the bad news. Do, 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 do you see? Say, so, God, this, this is where I was. I was an object of your wrath, but you know, in your great love and mercy, you have rescued me. You have saved me. And not only that, I have such a tremendous inheritance and I'm enjoying it now. This is just wonderful. What you have done, just remind yourself of the gospel. And do you know what? The gospel is the power of God under salvation. Do you believe that? God saves. He's doing it. He's doing it today. And then look for opportunities. Take the opportunities to pray and witness to your own friends, neighbours. We need to have a confidence in the gospel. Maybe for some of you, it is renewing that confidence in the gospel. It hurts when we get knocked back, when we invite someone time and time again. I had a neighbour for six months didn't speak to me when I told him I was a Christian. Just wouldn't speak to me because I was a Christian. He'll be okay even if he hears this because we've been on a journey together. He became one of my best friends. But I thought, how am I going to do this? Words weren't working because I certainly, as soon as I told him, I was like, bang, that was it. You know, it's just like he went straight in, told his wife, don't speak to those, they're the weird born again lot, they'll, they'll want to convert you, that's it, bang. And the door was shut. But a need arose six months later and we responded to it. And then we responded to another need. And we did that over a period of time until in the end he said, I don't get you. You're more of a friend to me, he said, than some of my friends. And after about three times of asking me questions, his wife said to him, she said, you ask more questions about God than he tries to tell you about God. She said, she said you talk about God more. They became very close friends. Yes, we managed to get them to hear the gospel. Yes, you know, they're not there yet. We've prayed with them, but they're not there yet. You know, it's not all a success, but they're on a journey. They're on a journey. But I thank God that he opened another door in. I could have easily have gone, oh, no, you know, that's it. They don't want to talk to us. But we saw a need and we said we will respond to it <coughs> through works. So we need to have confidence in the gospel. Now, can I say, over these two days, we need to be asking God to stir faith, Anything that anyone shares as they talk about their journeys, as we hear testimonies, just allow that to wash over you. Let it feed you. Let it encourage you. Let it excite you for, for, for things that you might be able to take back. Allow God to impart something to you. Remember, it's not about methodologies. We are not going to stand here and give you a methodology and say, right, if you do X, Y, and Z, you will see hundreds of people saved. It does not work like that. You've only got to go through the Gospels to see all the different accounts of healings. Every single one was kind of, what do we learn from that? It's theology, it's not methodology, isn't it? You know, it's God, the one who heals. That's what I learned from that. There are no methodologies that are going to come out of this. It's about a journey with the Holy Spirit. It takes time. Joshua took years and used different methods for conquering each place. And we need to understand that each situation is different. The situation that you're in is different. The workplaces, they're all different. So as you listen today and tomorrow, I, I want to encourage you, let God stir you in faith. Ask him to stir your faith. Can we stand?